Welcome to the Take 5 podcast from Fortinet. You give us a few minutes and we provide five cybersecurity tips and best practices for today's technology leaders. This podcast series taps into the experience from the Fortinet Field CISO team, focusing on the need for dynamic cloud security in key industries. I'm your host today, Jonathan Nguyen, CISO for our cloud practice. And today we're talking with Jim Richberg, Fortinet CISO for our public sector practice. And he's talking about dynamic cloud security. Welcome, Jim. Thanks, Jonathan. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's nice to have you. So the first question uh, for you, Jim, is how can the cloud and cloud technologies help public sector organizations? That's a great question, Jonathan. Um, And the reality is the benefits are largely the same for the public sector that they are for the private sector. The cost and efficiency benefits largely parallel those I'm sure you see dealing with private sector customers. Uh, The cloud is increasingly key to the digital transformation of capability, especially for smaller organizations that can't realistically take a do-it-yourself attitude towards creating capability. For governments of all size, cloud offers them the elasticity and scale of benefits that they couldn't otherwise achieve. But I would like to single out a handful, five benefits that I think are of particular note to government. The first is resilience. Continuity of operations, COOP, is one of those worst case events that all governments plan for. And I think there that cloud and software-defined networking are a potent duo that offers those governments the ability to either retain or restore essential services, or if it's not your worst case scenario, for simply reducing the latency and improving the availability of service under everyday conditions. The second benefit I think is increasingly important to government, and that's the greater efficiency it brings. State and local government in particular are facing a financial abyss due to COVID. They've had budget cuts of as much as 30% accompanied by increased demand for digital services. They need to find a way of spending smarter and of getting more bang for the buck, and cloud is a key way to do that. Everyone, public sector as well as private sector, made the pivot to remote telework in the wake of COVID. And for government in particular, this allowed them to do that without having to back all the data to the enterprise network for inspection before sending it out to the cloud. Uh, Cloud supports things like SD-WAN as a solution for agencies that in the post-COVID return to the office are redefining what the office will be, its function, its footprint, its location. In many cases, this is going to require rewiring and changing configurations. And they're saying we really ought to look at software-based solutions on-premise and the cloud as as our ideal way to, to support these services. And and really, the the final one is cloud services are a way of ensuring the security and availability of data that all levels of government need, ranging from the services that citizens need in their everyday life to crown jewels such as voter registration data and even classified data for some federal customers with private sector cloud, with private clouds. Hmm. Those are really great points, Jim. So beyond that, how would you characterize the public sector's attitude and and implementation of cloud technology today? 
Well, let me give you three ways of looking at this. First, the public sector is not monolithic. Looking even just at the federal government, the 23 large agencies, the cabinet level agencies have between them over 200 different instantiations of cloud services and cloud technologies. If you add in the smaller agencies and the micro agencies, you have over 200 federal agencies with over a thousand cloud solutions that have been implemented. Uh, add in the 50 states, virtually all of which have multiple cloud solutions done at the state bureau level, and then the eight to 10,000 local jurisdictions. And this is probably the most disparate, varied group of customers that I think you could find in any sector. But on the whole, the private sector lags the, the public sector lags the private sector appreciably in the, the pace and the progress of its implementation of cloud services and technology. And it's not that they are technological laggards by desire, but simply because of the nature of procurement, the kind of policy wickets they have, um, and the protracted budgeting cycle. They simply can't move as fast in general as the private sector can. However, my third point is parts of the federal government were actually early adopters of cloud technology. My alma mater, the CIA, was among the first in the public or private sector to use a commercially hosted private cloud. And I think that helped to drive innovation and demonstrate successful operation of a secure cloud for sensitive data. So while they tend to lag in general, selectively, they can actually be leading the pack. Well, wow, that, that's a lot of ironies and, and paradoxes. That, that's pretty interesting. So going beyond that, so what are the biggest challenges that the public sector has to address in the cloud? And do they differ from those in the private sector? So, Jonathan, let me focus my comments on the federal level. And, and I see three big points. Uh, looking across the federal government, the scale of the enterprise that we're trying to address with cloud services and cloud technology is unparalleled. We're trying to provide these services in response across, as I described, over 200 organizations that have hundreds of thousands of field sites and a global footprint. I mean, this is a comparable to in the private sector trying to say we want to find a common solution for an entire sector. And this is beyond what any Fortune 500 company, even one with a big global presence, has. Uh, the federal government tried this before. We tried it in the Comprehensive National Cybersecurity Initiative. And frankly, success was uneven, in part because we lacked enterprise-grade capabilities in services such as cloud, along with the big data analytics, the mature artificial intelligence and machine learning to power decision-making and action. Uh, the second challenge I see that, that we have to address in government is avoiding the temptation to build it from scratch. And by build it from scratch, I don't mean you necessarily architect and create the service yourself, but you may go off and, and strike your own contractual way to do this. I think this is when the federal government needs to harmonize around a common set of templates, common set of standards, common set of architectures to do this. They need to consciously try to learn from their own successes and failures, going all the way back to that CNCI that I referenced, and to look at where industry has come on this. Because as you know, as well as I, industry has certainly been on a, a journey of discovery and evolution in its implementation of cloud technology. So I think government needs to 
try to learn from the experience, in some cases, the mistakes of the private sector, and implement the, the current technology rather than say, I need to follow them through things that have been have evolved and been replaced. Uh, the third challenge I think the, pub, the public sector faces is the multi-cloud. Uh, I think individual agencies are getting pretty good at figuring out how to do cloud as a single use case. But as you know better than I, defining consistent security policies and controls and capabilities across those clouds, across those providers, and across those use cases is key. And the federal government does not yet have a really good holistic way to deal systemically with multi-cloud uses. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Whenever you find success, you, you you look through that DNA and there's always hard lessons learned as the foundation of that success. So, so great insights there. Hey, what are the more recent developments of note in public sector cloud use, right? And, and how has that really been affected by COVID? So I think the federal government consciously adopted a, a deliberate crawl, walk, run approach to its implementation of cloud. And, and in many cases, the status of implementation was eh, somewhere between crawl and walk. <clears throat> but COVID forced a selective sprint. The Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, put out interim guidance early in COVID to facilitate access to cloud services. You're familiar with the Trusted Internet Connection Initiative, TIC. Oh, yeah. We used to joke about the TIC tax, T-A-X, that came from having to have remote users backhaul their data to the agency for inspection before it could go to the be sent off to the cloud. Yeah. The interim guidance CISA put out allowed you to have that 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 cloud access security broker somewhere other than at the agency. So this was something that it, that has definitely been a forcing function on speeding up the implementation of cloud. Cloud is an integral part of CISA's overarching cybersecurity strategy uh, for the U.S. government. CISA is on the verge of releasing a draft cloud reference architecture, and this is a conscious attempt to accelerate the migration of U.S. government cyber from a hard perimeter focus to something around flexible boundaries, including the cloud, and ultimately in the direction of zero trust network access, which you and I know is, is going to be foundational and key to success in this area. Uh, the reference architecture talks about visibility and control. You know, and I know these are these are holy grail issues. It breaks visibility itself down into two attributes. Observation, which is a broad a broad look to detect anomalies and find, to use the former Secretary of Defense's phrase, unknown unknowns, mm -hmm. and monitoring, which is focused on looking at the known threats, vulnerabilities, and things that are known unknowns, but I don't know the status of them. Uh, the reference architecture recognizes that the commercial state-of-the-art in cloud technology is diverse. And similarly, that the federal government has a diverse set of needs and a baseline of adoption of it. So it's focused on defining functional requirements for enterprise-level solutions. It's not, it's not prescribing specific technologies or capabilities. The architecture is going to lay out security overlays that link to CDM, the Continuous Diagnostics and Mitigation Program out of CISA, and to TIC, we've already referred to, TIC 3.0. And it's also linked to the National Cybersecurity Protection System capabilities, such as the Einstein sensors and threat hunting in the SOC. I found this one interesting. Uh, the reference architecture will create 
CLAWS, which are not something sharp, but rather that's the acronym for a cloud log aggregation warehouse, which are going to be databases to collect and analyze federal cloud security data at scale. This reference architecture is expected to be released in mid-November, and as with any draft that comes out of the government, they welcome and encourage public comment. Um, As I've noted, the COVID-driven pivot to remote telework and government in many cases relied on cloud services to be successful. And the fact that it has succeeded in allowing virtually all agencies to have a large percentage of their workforce working remotely has already begun to translate into potential for government organizations to change the way they think about doing business. I've talked to numerous federal agencies that are now considering how to hire workers who don't actually live in proximity to the physical office. And this is going to be something that's going to be especially appealing to state and local government in areas where IT and cybersecurity talent is especially scarce. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy how how COVID has fundamentally changed our our ideas of what work is, right? So, increasingly, it's it's not a place we commute to and from. It's just something that we do. Um, ne- never let a good crisis go to waste, right? <laughs> Lots of great reminders there, Jim. I I was born into tick one and M tips and things like that. So thanks for the reminder. Um, last question for you. So, how can a company like Ford help the public sector in its migration to the cloud? Wow. There, there are so many ways. Where do I start? Um, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to miss some, but let me start with the big picture. Uh, first, Fortinet is one of, if not the only security company with a robust presence in all of the major cloud service providers. And for multi-cloud users in particular, this enables them to have consistency of capability in all of those clouds, and therefore allows the potential to have consistency of policy and visibility and control across the clouds. Um, Given the shared security responsibility model for cloud, the customer, government customer in this case, arguably needs to use services like a cloud access security broker, the CASB, as their portal for monitoring activity and enforcing the policy. And therefore, again, you want common, the ability to have common standards and capabilities in all of those places. And Fortinet has a strong set of offerings in that area. If you look more specifically at our the attributes and, and capabilities our products bring, uh, access and visibility, um, with most network traffic now being encrypted, right? Good, it's a best practice. We're finding the malware is in the VPNs or it's exploiting applications. So the fact that we offer app-aware and real-time SSL inspection is key, especially in that remote user environment. Robust availability, which in a cloud situation means the ability to do that virtual patching of applications in a cloud without taking the apps offline. Um, Dynamic intent-based segmentation, which you and I both know is something that's, uh, that's when your zero trust network activity is really starting to become successful. And of course, because browser-based compromises are becoming increasingly important, prominent, it's important to have cloud-based web app filters with dynamic rule sets and API protection uh, because of the diversity of, of mobile platforms that these users are connecting by. So these are all the kind of things that you can get from Fortinet's capabilities, the unified platform for visibility control and management. And then, of course, this is my favorite one, the automation, that having the broad suite of capabilities in any environment, including the cloud, allows AI-driven automation to become a reality. And and that's one that is 
a transformational development in cybersecurity, but that's a big enough topic that I think we got to save that one for another podcast. But to sum it all up, Jonathan, on balance, I think government is starting to embrace the full potential of cloud technology, but it still appreciably lags the pace of adoption of private sector organizations. Um, Governments, federal, state, and local, can benefit from consciously looking for lessons learned in the private sector's transition, as well as trying to focus on leveraging the latest technology they can. And at the same time, government, especially the federal government, can help define the standards of performance and interoperability for cloud, even in the private sector. I'm thinking of organizations like NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, or CISA's reference architecture. So to sum it all up, this really is a partnership. Wow. Great, great insights, Jim. I really appreciate that. And to the audience, thanks for joining us for this episode of Take 5. You can visit us on our website at www.fortinetfederal.com for more information on our solutions for securing your public sector environment.